0: Good morning. Today's reading is from 1 Kings 8:27 to 30. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offered towards this place and listen to the plea of your servant and of your people, Israel, when they pray toward this place and listen in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. This is the reading of the word. You may
1: be seated. All right. Thank you, Sherry. Good morning, Arcadia. Uh, Sherry actually told me as she was walking in this morning, she was disappointed in the reading. There were no hard words or hard names. So uh, we'll challenge you later, Sherry. Don't worry about that. So if you're new, uh, we are glad that you are here. My name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors here. However, as Zach said, it's going to be really different today. Um, We're going to be doing some uh, family business, and I hope that that doesn't put you off. I hope that you will listen and understand that this is a uh, congregation that's growing and we have some needs and this is the uh, best way we felt like we could uh, communicate it to the most people at the same time in terms of what our needs are. So uh, I just pray that you'll hang in there with us. For those of you that have made this your church home, this is really important and so uh, we want to be able to share this with you. Um, I want to tell you that Uh, God has been moving on this particular property, this 3.6 acres, uh, not since we bought it in uh, 2014, not since we moved in in 2015, but in fact it started in 1959 uh, with uh, the vision of Bethany Bible over on 7th Avenue and Bethany Home uh, planting a church here called Biltmore Bible Church. And they uh, came here and they were here for a number of years. uh, And then as they were winding things down, Uh, The backstory is that uh, they were trying to figure out uh, how to get the highest and best uh, price for this property and uh, were working on that. And then their elders decided that they couldn't do that. They wanted the gospel to continue on this property, which meant they knew that they would have to sell the property for considerably less than the highest and best price price and so uh they sort of opened it up for bidding with all these different churches uh five churches and a seminary actually got a shot at uh, buying the property and and we were the ones that uh, god showed favor to i guess you could say and we got to buy it for 1.2 million dollars which was about 20 percent of what the property was worth then and it's con- worth considerably even more now. Uh, so there's a God story even there. And, and the Biltmore Bible Church legacy lives on now through uh, Redemption Church. And we're really pleased about that. And now we're, we're, we believe it's time to take uh, the next step in, in this God story on this property, what we call a sacred space and the fact that we have a faithful uh, presence here. And so uh, more than a year ago, more than a year ago, we began a long um, not complicated but extensive process of investigation and evaluation on how we could expand things on uh, this property because it's not the biggest property in the world but for Arcadia it's a pretty good size and that's, and that's good for us. Uh, many solutions were planned and dismissed and then we arrived at what we're going to show you here today. Just to give you a couple of ideas about what we thought about in the past. Uh, originally we had planned to build a sanctuary and a classroom building on the grass area And then um, uh, people with great wisdom came in and said, having to traverse a parking lot between the two building clusters was probably not a good idea and so our architect came in and started working on how to how to keep all the buildings together and he's figured out how to do that Uh, we weren't sure about having enough classroom space and so we decided we'd we'd split up this building and turn it into more classroom space and when we saw the drawings of that everybody got sick and so we decided not to do that um... because this is a unique and historic building so we're not going to do that either uh... tyler james uh, our executive pastor and and uh, Emmy Payne, our children's director, got together and figured out that uh, by repurposing some of our other rooms, we would be able to build the sanctuary and still have enough classroom for all the kids that we would need with a larger sanctuary. So we're just talking about building one building, but it's going to be uh, a pretty good size, uh building. So. Uh, Why we've arrived here, I want to talk about three reasons why we're here uh, today. Uh, And by the way, somebody walked up to me this morning and said, are we building a new sanctuary because of all the pregnant women in Arcadia? Is that what's going (laughs) on? Okay, that's not one of the reasons, although it helps. Um, First of all, we are at or um, uh, near our capacity for our current ministry needs, and and we believe we can do more. So Sunday uh, is a challenge for us. Certainly, Trey, who, by the way, Trey is out right now because I think his wife had a baby, something like that. Anyway, he's on paternity leave. And Tyler James is going to talk a little bit more about that later. Sorry, I just stole your thunder, I know. But the reason i have to mention is because um, trey has built our student ministry and our next gen ministry and our young adults ministry to the point where uh, we're out of room here as well children also are kind of busting um at at the limits and then uh, we believe that we can just do more outreach um, with with a a, with larger capacity especially uh, when you consider the clarendale uh complex going in across the street, and that leads into the second reason why this is important. We do have a strategic location here. If you think about our location being bookended by the uh, by the Biltmore at 24th Street in Camelback, uh, the most expensive real estate in the state of Arizona is just a mile down the road, and so we're in that radius, and then uh, coming up now and, and challenging for that position is 44th Street in Camelback, so we're bookended by these Uh, by these two massive intersections um, with all this development that continues to go on. And then if you look north and south of Camelback, all the residential areas that we have around us that continues to grow, more apartments coming in, uh, Clarendale going in across the street, uh, a lot of residents. And so uh, we are strategically located here as well for tremendous growth in Maricopa County, in the core of Maricopa County. And then here's the third thing, and this is more personal, really, to me. Uh, Just coming off the the whole COVID pandemic and coming into, out of COVID, but into our current cultural context, um, before COVID hit, we had started talking a little bit about uh, expansion then as well, and then COVID hit. But also, uh, I had been talking, and Jackie and I had been talking about, um, you know, I was in my, uh, I I just turned 60 when all of this happened, and I I was like... gee whiz, maybe we should be uh, proactive about transition and thinking about um, that and, and kind of winding down what my ministry uh, as the lead pastor here at Arcadia would look like. Uh, COVID and then everything else that happened during COVID had a really strange and profound effect on me. And, and then entering the cultural milieu that we're in today, I, I will tell you that uh, right now I have never been... More energized and more committed to the desperate need of the gospel and the church as our only hope in this world than now, and I, I'm just, I, a lot of times, a lot of times I think back and, and I think physically, man, I wish I was in my 30s again. But I got to tell you, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and just energized. Why I, I I've never been in a place like this in my life. Uh, the church and the gospel is really our only hope today, and I'm I'm doubling down on that, and I'm committed to that, and, and it's really it's really the gospel and the church are our only tether in a mostly hopeless and certainly untethered from any sense of reality or wisdom world. It's just needed, and so um, I'm I'm ready to jump on this uh, with both feet, and and I love what Jack has prepared for us, and so. Um, we we talk about lead pastors and all that stuff okay so i'm going to introduce um jack de bartolo he's the lead architect for redemption church so if
2: you would welcome uh, jack up here well thank you um so jack de uh, my wife trisha we're really honored to be here with you all this is uh some of you may not know a lot of new faces uh, i actually had the privilege of serving Frank and a very small group uh, about 10 to 12 years ago, uh, as one of your elders actually. Uh, So I've been part of the redemption family for a long time. So this is a a sweet place. Um, And second thing is uh, that uh, I was actually the architect as well, my firm for this, this campus we're in. And it's just so sweet to see it full of faces, full of people, what we call the color of architecture which is all of you filling the space Um, and so just how beautiful it is to be here and to be talking about actually a second growth here on this campus so this campus has had such a beautiful history and what frank just outlined for us has been one of the most beautiful pictures of just seeing redemption in terms of architecture happen on a campus so we love when we get to redeem architecture. Take old buildings that many might have looked at, and if you see any of the old photographs of what this campus looked like in 2014, many thought it was ready for the demolition. So, uh, But just the idea of us sandblasting these buildings, bringing new life to them, and seeing a new form for them. So I'm going to take you through a series of slides real quick. I'm going to take about 15 minutes and show you kind of where you are in the picture and walk you through a little bit of architecture. I might go. Past what some of you are interested in, but the idea is to keep you motivated about what's coming, and I'll give you an idea about how far we are out. So, the first thing I'm going to show you is uh, this is an aerial photograph uh, giving you a good view over the whole area. Hopefully, this looks kind of familiar. Camelback's on the bottom of the image, oh. and you can see that's our campus. It's kind of a T shape, uh, and so. Most of you may not think of that dirt lot or the grass lot that's way far in the back, but uh, it actually, behind the parking lot, is a space that, as Frank said, has been, been slated as potentially a building site. Through the process, we began to think about the movement of people on the campus and how dangerous that is to separate people. So, next slide. Um, what we see here is that by developing the north side of the campus, we can actually take the existing parking lot, slide it to the north, Uh, and basically redevelop the exact same parking that's there, just move to the north a bit. That allows us to now have the footprint for what we call a contiguous campus. Now we don't have to have people walking and conflicting with cars. So we literally get to add to the north side of the campus. Next slide. So I'm gonna walk you through just the plan, and for those of you who are not familiar with plans, hold on, I'll show you 3D in a moment. So, but those who need to see it in plan view so that you can get things organized in your mind, this helps a little. So it's a very straightforward building. There's first two outdoor elements that are right at the bottom of this slide. A large green space, which you saw on the previous slide, which is a gathering outdoor space with shade and grass, and a large shade space, not so different than the one that's right here outside the lobby. And that space is really for gathering of people. There'll be a coffee window, you can see it here. I've got a pointer in a pocket, so. Um, On this slide, and you can basically get an idea that Here is a coffee area. They can serve from this window, and just like we do now, have coffee and refreshments right there in this plaza. So you can be in a plaza, and now next to it is this outdoor space, part of what's shown right here uh, on the screen. Now, you enter the building, Uh, and you enter from the south into or from the north. So depending on which parking lot or where you're coming, whether you're connected to dropping off kids or whether you've parked your car, you can come into the building. And the building sits and it's surrounded on two sides by parking. So that could be a potentially not very beautiful thing to look out onto. So I'm gonna talk about three words over the next few minutes. The three words are shade, simplicity and sacredness. That's really the thing that has driven this design. So shade, big outdoor shade gathering space that I just mentioned. And then again, we're using the same corrugated, perforated, galvanized metal. We're turning it both horizontally and vertically to use it both as horizontal shade and as vertical, what we call scrim. And we're going to use it as a scrim to wrap around the glass walls of the building so that you're looking through the veil much like you do when you're in this room right now and you look out to the west same kind of idea uh, when we move into the building there's then a core of services with bathrooms you enter into the main worship space this is the worship room Uh, we have a platform we have a green room We have an IT and storage room, and we have a very special space. I'll end with showing you a small prayer space. So it's a very simple building. It's just under 10,000 square feet. That gives you an idea. It's a one-building project, but it meets all these needs. Now, it kind of does not have a back. The building needs to be very kind of Beautiful on all fronts. The material palette is very much what you're accustomed to seeing here on the campus. We're using stack bond masonry block like this building was built in in the 50s. We're using this corrugated perforated metal and other just really simple steel details and glass. Next slide. So this section, and now I know this is a a rare thing to see uh, in normal life, but this is how architects talk about buildings three-dimensionally. We cut the building in half and we show it to you. What I want you to see here is entering the lobby and then going through a threshold, and thresholds are very important in sacredness. So this idea, how can we take a simple building, How do we create simplicity but yet create sacredness? And you do it through the human experience. We do it through scale, proportion, and materiality. So the lobby is an all-glass space wrapped on three sides with glass, and using the shade scrim, we protect what you view and see. We then bring you through that threshold space and into the sanctuary, which, like this, will have lots of daylight in it, both from the north and south instead of from the east and west, a little easier for us to control. And then the element of sacredness is the fact that we're going to yield east light. We're going to grab and and accept that east light and bring it in as the back wall of the worship space so that it is a connection to the eternal, amazing God that we serve. I think many of you don't think about the fact that sunlight, which we take for granted, is the life source of our planet. It's the fact that we orbit around the sun and that sunlight is literally, we can take rays of sun, bring them into the building and you're seeing the majesty of light in God's provision on the back wall is kind of a powerful thing. I think to see light as God's provision is a way to just see God's sacredness in this. So these were just some inspirations that we shared with the leadership as we were developing this idea. Next slide. So some quick views walking from the current campus. So this is actually standing next to the classroom building looking north and you're looking to the new building. So that's actually the south side of the new building, all the glass facing out onto the courtyard and the new entry and this gathering space. Next slide. So this is, you're standing, there's this wall of glass and all the glass we're just limiting to eight feet. One of the important things here is to preserve the scale of intimacy. So in this idea of simplicity, we want the building to be highly economic and really efficient, but to do a simple building is about utilizing the maximum amount of materials in the, or I should say the minimum amount of materials in the maximum effect And so this idea of using glass as a way to bring light in, but not a lot of extra glass. We just keep it to eight feet. It keeps the scale down. And it keeps the building having a humane scale to it, something so beautiful about an old building like we're in. Next slide. This gives you a view from the east as you're in the parking lot looking at this new shade, so very much like the space we have here. So these two kind of cousin spaces relate to one another as being these outdoor gathering spaces, this continuation of something we get to do in Arizona, this indoor-outdoor space, right, where we can enjoy spaces throughout most of our year and seasons where we can go from outside to inside and back out again. Next slide. It shows you kind of that entry into the lobby and the shade overhead. You can see the scrim to the, from, on the east side protecting you from most of our services in the morning and so protecting you from that east light. Next slide. And there you have that east scrim. So you see the building and it's got this vertical shield, but it has this wonderful way of accepting people and welcoming them. You can go around to the north side or to the south side depending on where you park. Next. As you move around the building, we're just moving around it uh, toward the north. Now we're at the northeast corner. Uh, Looking at the building, there's that northeast entrance. Um, And you can see that that screen wall wraps around. We love this thing called interstitial space. This is the space between the outside wall and the inside wall. And this is a building where you're gonna get to inhabit that interstitial space. You have some of that in your existing campus, and we're reusing that tool. Next slide. And the north side of the building, that scrim continues to wrap so that we get this veiled perception of the parking lot and this garden that is slid in between this outside scrim and the interior building that becomes this little prayer garden uh, in the space between. Next slide. So as you go into the lobby from that entrance on the south, we're using perforated material again, both Vertically and horizontally much like we use the metal on the outside of the building We're going to use perforated wood on the interior so much like you have a beautiful rich room here with wood ceiling and wood glue Lambs and the wood louver sides We're now going to use this so that you're having that sense of warmth and that timeless quality of bringing wood into the space so you walk into the lobby it's glass three sides and it's perforated wood wrapping over you and below you. The black slots are as we're developing the mechanical, the electrical, and the sprinkler distribution. So getting all those systems organized, and those will be moving around as we finish the development of things. Next slide. Takes you into the worship room. So now you're in the space. So about 400 seats, um, almost double the size of this room. Uh, A much wider room, so... Honestly, no deeper than this room. In fact, slightly shallower than this room, but about two times the width. Uh, is, so it's a much broader range of experience. And this idea of being part of more of a congregation and less rows kind of feeling. Um, but the idea, again, of this wood ceiling, this beautiful wood plane, so that we're not just in a black box theater, but we're actually in a light-filled room. Now, we can control the light with shades and all those integrated things, um, but the beauty of it is that light. And look at the back wall. This will change dynamically on an overcast day, on a, at the sunset, sunrise, all the different times of the day. The light quality of that east wall, that wall on the west, but that's getting that east light, is actually going to be a dynamic, responsive space where the back wall of the church is actually responding to the outdoor light. Next slide. This one washed out a bit on this projector, but this is this beautiful little secret prayer space. So as you would make your way up to the front, potentially, or come on a Monday through Friday, there'll actually be a door you can go into, the side of the platform, and you can go through that door into a vestibule, and we're, again, creating a space. Now, I really love morning light. And I think that's no surprise. Morning light is very special. And if you read through scripture, you'll know that the east light of the morning played an important role in the temple, in the tabernacle, and always in new beginnings, there's this beauty of knowing that east light is this special thing. It's that new day light. So this is a space that... Depending on how the church operates it, you could go to all different times of the day, sit in that space, the light coming in. It's literally a space to observe light. So a garden in this inner space between the wall of the church and this scrim of the north side, you would look out to, you could open a door, there'd be an outside bench and an interior bench, two or three, four or five, That's probably about as many people are going to use this at a time. It's a really quiet little space that just gives you guys a wonderful space to go pray, whether by yourself or with a couple people, but this idea of having a special prayer space. So I hope you caught the simplicity of the buildings, the shade that we used all throughout, whether vertically or horizontally, and then the sacredness that we're trying to create on this campus. I now get to introduce Luke Simmons. Luke is the pastor of Redemption Gateway and a
3: big part of the executive team. Hey, everybody. Good to see you all again. Uh, I was here with you earlier this year and got to meet and see so many of you. Um, I just want to share for a few moments on behalf of the overall redemption leadership. So today I'm representing the uh, other nine congregations, the lead pastors of those congregations, the executive team that's trying to provide leadership and vision for the whole of redemption. And, man, I just want to tell you, We are so excited about this for Redemption Arcadia. This is an incredible project. I wanna share with you some reasons why we're excited and then a little bit about uh, how we're trying to back up that excitement with some resources and hopefully get the ball rolling on that. So uh, the first reason that we're excited is that Redemption Arcadia, you are a vibrant, growing, healthy congregation and you have great leaders. And uh, I don't know if you're you're probably, I'm not the only one that's probably encouraged to hear about Frank's second wind. I'm actually uh, a little tired of hearing about it. Uh, Every preaching collective, he's, you know, okay, Frank, we get it. You're pumped. Calm down, man. Um, But, uh, man, he's a great leader. He's a great preacher. And he's built a great team great team of elders, great team of pastors. I mean, this is, a, this is not in any way a one-man show. This is a team of leaders and uh, pastors and elders and staff. This is an incredible uh, worship team, right? I mean, how cool is everything that's happening in that dynamic? And so uh, it's just, we're very excited about this church and about this congregation, about the good that you're doing in the community, about the way that you are building into one another's lives and sharing the good news of Jesus outside these walls and inside these walls. Uh, new buildings Don't help stagnant churches, right? Sometimes people in church world have kind of a, if you build it, they will come. Eh. If you're growing and dynamic and healthy and you build it, they'll come. And so we're excited about what that means. Uh, Arcadia is a healthy church. Arcadia is a vibrant church. This is really gonna extend and uh, strengthen the ministry that you guys have in this community. So that's one reason. Uh, The second reason is that the Lord, and Frank uh, described this a bit ago, the Lord provided an incredible gift By providing this building, and I realized it wasn't free, (laughs) but the significant discount of this building and this space for years, I had been in conversations with Frank as uh, he and the team here were trying to figure out what's the long-term future. Some of you maybe were over on 44th and Thomas, and you remember uh, being at that Memorial Presbyterian Church and knowing that wasn't going to be the long-term home of this congregation, and we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we looked. There ain't much there, and the Lord provided this. The Lord provided this, and acquiring a property like this at such a steep discount, uh, that's hard to come by. And so, because of that reality that we've been entrusted with something significant, we have to steward it really, really well. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he writes this. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, in this context of 1 Peter 4, he's talking about spiritual gifts. But I think the principle applies here. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Here's why. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. As each has received a gift, Peter says, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Frank talked about the, uh, the, the churches that we're all trying to get in a space like this. I work with and try to invest in lots of church planters and lots of people coming to town. You can't get a property like this in Phoenix, especially in this part of Phoenix. And so one of the best just stewardship realities, not just for Redemption Arcadia and not just for Redemption Church, but for the, the kingdom of God in Phoenix is we've got to use every inch of this property as well as we can. To have portions of it just kind of sit there isn't the best stewardship of such a precious gift that God has entrusted to us. And so we want to uh, partner with you to invest in and try to make this campus just as full as it can be of gospel impact, and we're looking forward to that. Um, And in those regards, here's the third reason that we're excited as Redemption Arizona is that a strong Redemption Arcadia is a blessing to the all of redemption, but even more to the whole city. We're part of this gospel ecosystem that goes beyond Redemption Church and the 10 congregations that are part of Redemption Church. We're part of a larger thing. We're partnered in lots of different ministries around the city. And having a strong congregation here is really significant for the work that God is doing and is going to continue to do in this city. So uh, as Redemption Church, we're invested in this. We believe in this. We're not just like saying, hey, man, yeah, guys, great project. Go get them. Uh, We actually want to put some of our money where our mouth is on it. And so Redemption Church, Redemption Arizona as a whole, is uh, going to be contributing in a couple different ways $750,000 to this project. So that's in two parts. The first is just a $375,000 gift. Uh, There are reserves that have uh, grown over different years in Redemption Church. It's not an exhaustive, unlimited amount of reserves, uh, but they're there particularly for strategic opportunities like this. And this is a strategic opportunity. And so we want to just say, hey, here's $375,000 toward this project. Uh, Maybe one or two of you in this room could match that. We'd love to see you try. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, Just to be clear, I'm not saying that's a matching gift. We're giving the gift all the way. But if you want to match it, hey, knock yourself out. That would be really sweet. Um, And then the second part is a a $375,000 interest-free loan. And you all watch what's going on with rates right now and different things like that. And so the opportunity to be able to have a significant chunk of money at interest-free, I think will just be a blessing for the whole project moving forward. So I'm deeply excited for you guys. Um, I hope you'll be involved in this process. And I'll tell you just one more thing anecdotally. uh, Jack mentioned I'm at Redemption Gateway. Uh 2019, we built a brand-new building there. Uh, Jack actually uh, designed it, and it's, it's really great. Once COVID hit, I said, Jack, you build the world's biggest TV studio. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but now that people are back in it, uh, I'll just tell you, that there's, there's something about a lively, growing, dynamic ministry. You're going to reach some people that aren't here yet, and they're, they're going to bring some gifts that aren't here yet. They're going to grow some gifts that are here and cause those to blossom and flourish. And uh, man, I just think the future is so bright for you guys. So I'm I'm deeply grateful. Uh, that's it for me. I'm going to bring up Tyler James, your executive pastor. Welcome, Tyler.
4: All right. Thank you, church. So excited to be here. So excited. It's cathartic to even get to talk about this openly. We've been praying and planning so long. I'm up here to talk about just a couple of things. Um, One of them is just my experience of being on staff here the last five or more years, the things that I've seen, the ministries that I think could use some help, and how this project kind of started taking root more and more. And then I want to unpack the idea of a sacred space even more and talk about that brochure that you got in here. Our main need that we began praying through and thinking through uh, was We've always needed a mid-sized meeting space here. You know when you come and do classes, we just have this. We, we just convert the front half of this. That's all we got. If we, if we have a smaller group and we try to use room eight, we get more than 10, 15 people in there. It starts to get very full. So that mid-sized meeting space has been something we've been thinking about for a while. And the other thing we've been thinking about for a while is like they've said, uh, our youth ministry is growing more and more. And now those two things have changed as now we've gotten busier on Sundays, too, and we're just blessed all over the place to get to pray for these solutions. So coming out of COVID, God greatly answered our prayers uh, for our youth ministry, which took a big hit during COVID. We had a lot of energy and excitement going, and then it all just kind (laughs) of fell away. And so we really were praying hard about um, God would bless and grow that ministry again um, and God has blessed that, that ministry's leadership and Trey's leadership. Uh, right now in room eight, which is the biggest other room we have, they have regularly more than 30 kids in there, five or six leaders. Now picture that room with 35 people in it, okay? That's a party. Uh, that's not necessarily the kind of party that, that we're looking for or is good long term. By the way, Frank spoiled this already, but I would love to show you a couple pictures of Pastor Trey's new baby. Um, Little Forrest Lee. There he is. We're so excited. He was born Thursday the 3rd at 7.04 a.m. 8 pounds, 13 ounces. Yeah, yeah, big boy. And then 22 inches long. So, yeah, baby's good. Hannah's good. Uh, and little Presley's doing good. They're all just adjusting to that new life. I bring that up so that you'll know why Trey is less reachable over the next few weeks. He's going to be away with them adjusting. So God has blessed us with Trey. God has blessed his leadership, and that ministry has grown. And that's how this entire project started. With us pastors going, how do we uh, how do we set up? youth ministry to thrive here in the future and moving forward because we hit that that room capacity limit for a while we think this plan this project answers that for us our kids ministry has been averaging about 100 kids 90 to 100 each sunday that's a lot that's awesome we love that you might not know uh, our kids ministry we bring all the kids together for a large group time in room 8 you can see Roommate gets a lot of use. Uh, we bring them all into Roommate. We do worship together. We study the Bible together. Just, It's a really fun group time. So that ministry is needing more space to continue that, uh, that, that uh, meeting rhythm. And we think that this plan also serves that. Now, lots of folks want to know, like Frank mentioned, what's happening to this current sanctuary. And we're happy to say nothing. Nothing is happening to this current sanctuary. We're going to leave the lights and the sound, and the stage, and the music equipment. Now think about a kids' ministry with the large group time in here. Think about someone like Emmy with her theater experience coming in and doing something like that for us with kids' ministry on Sundays. We're already dreaming and praying through what that might look like, so please join us in prayer for that. Um, The youth ministry will also get to use this space. What a beautiful space. This is way cooler than my youth room was. Uh, Imagine the youth ministry getting to use this space with no chairs, maybe some tables and a different setup. We're just super excited about that. Um, Any midweek classes we do uh, and then community events, we're also actively thinking and praying through that. Now just think for a moment what these walls have seen in 60 years of ministry. Think what this ceiling has looked down on, the weddings, the funerals, The times of worship, the preaching, we want to see that continue. We want more of that, not less. So this new sanctuary project, uh, my main thing is I want you to see it's about so much more than just that new sanctuary building. It's about what it frees up the rest of the campus to continue to press deeper into. A sacred space for us as adults, but a sacred space for the kids, sacred space for the youth for the community. We want to press deeper into those things. As Frank mentioned, this idea of a sacred space. We have businesses booming all around us. We have residential growth and booming all around us. We began getting this image more and more of what does it look like for God to set apart this campus as a sacred space in the community, Think about the growth and the busyness and the frenzy. We want this space to be somewhere that the church can gather together and catch their breath and recenter themselves on the gospel. That's what we do every Sunday when we come here. We center our lives so quickly around everything else. But on Sundays, we come together and go, okay, right, God, his kingdom, his word, that's what's important. That's what's worth reorienting my life around. And, and then we go from here, we don't just stay there, right? We go from this sacred space, and then we are little sacred spaces, little ambassadors of peace to our community, to our workplaces, and so this idea of a sacred space is really important to us. Here's the last thing I'll say, is in that brochure that you got when you came in, I just would hope that you would really carefully and prayerfully read through everything in there. We spent a lot of time prayerfully and carefully crafting what we wanted you to to get from this. And so please take the time to read through that. And then if you have other questions, obviously we'd love to invite any questions. We'll be at the front of the stage, as many of our staff as can be, and we'd love to answer any of those. Okay, so with that, let me invite up Pastor Frank. Thank you, church.
1: Thanks, Tyler. So, uh, let's see. Where am I? Okay, so I have a couple of slides actually. Some of you are like, okay, come on, just how much is this going to cost? When is it going to start? So here we go. First slide, project details. All in is $4.8 million. That includes a 10% contingency. So he, uh, Jack has already built that in. So it's possible we could come in under uh, budget. Next uh but however we believe that uh jack's allocation for audiovisual and light is a bit l- light so um, we're just going to round that up to 5 million we think that's an easier number to work with go ahead next one yeah so rounding to 5 million for the project uh that's maybe just a little bit high it's just an easier number to work with go to the next one uh believe it or not we're anticipating groundbreaking in may or june of 2023 that was a surprise to me that seemed a little bit fast but jack Uh, Assured me that he thinks he can get that done right now, so and then uh, Anticipated completion is uh, March 2024 hold that loosely. We're hoping for March 2024, but um, of course If you know anything about construction even when supply chains are really good um, That can be uh, a little bit tricky, but possibly March 2024. Uh, Here's the financing we're gonna use uh, 600,000 of our own congregational savings (laughs) To get us started, we've already started spending some of that money on the things that we've been needing to do. Uh, So that's part of it. And then Luke talked about the $750,000 from Redemption Arizona or Redemption uh, Central. And then we are asking our congregation, next bullet, we're asking our congregation over the next three years to contribute over and above. Uh, their normal giving, $1.75 million uh, towards this. If you're wondering about that number, um, uh, in church world, uh the the formula is for a congregation you should be able to raise in three years one and a half times your annual budget our annual budget this year is a million two so one and a half times that is a million eight so we're coming in just under that asking you for that and then uh, mid first bank has already agreed to work uh, with us on a mortgage Uh, right now we think it'll be a million nine on the mortgage um, and and it's possible that it, it'll it'll go up or down depending on how we do with that uh, third number there. So total there is five million dollars. That's how we're going to uh, pay for this thing. Um, and let me uh, let me just add this to uh, Luke. Already alluded to this. Uh, certainly things are different economically now than they were uh, a year ago. Um, I'll just tell you my personal experience with that, um, the way I see it. And, and this is coming from somebody who's as risk-averse and conservative as anybody I've ever known, except for Neil Pitchell. And if you know Neil Pitchell, he's our our, uh, executive pastor of Redemption Church for the last uh, 20 years. Um, So I I have 20 years of pretty serious marketplace experience in retail and restaurant management, and a little bit in commercial real estate as well. Uh, One of the things I noticed when I was in the marketplace is I've been through um, the economic cycles several times now of um, the ups and downs. And one of the things I've always noticed is, uh, during a bull market, uh, there are so many people who are walking around who are convinced that it's never going to end. It's always going to be great, and uh, you've got to just keep plowing forward. Uh, and then I've noticed that during every bear market, uh, people walk around and say this misery is never going to end. <laughs> and it's just, it's just cyclical. Um, we, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we going to do in five years? On this property. What are we going to do if we don't do something now? What are we going to do in five years? And that's the challenge that we face. Uh, We did start talking about this a little bit in 2019 and then COVID hit. And I got to tell you, there's a part of me that wishes we could have done this in 2019 because we'd already be in that new building now and not worried about it. And that's what we see uh, in the future as well. Uh, We believe that God has called us to this. And God doesn't always call us to easy things. He calls us to challenging things. Even in the best of economic times, this would be a challenging uh, project. But God calls us to these things. And we know we need this. Uh, We also don't want to be influenced by fear and by what we know are transitory uh, situations. And it's coming, and again, that's coming from one of the most risk-averse Uh, conservative persons that you could ever possibly know and that's me and so as your pastor I promise you that we're gonna continue to pray we're gonna continue to ask God for his wisdom and his guidance his provision and his protection and we're gonna be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every step in fact every day of uh, this project Uh, that does not diminish how excited we are about this I will tell you that Um, uh, Tyler mentioned the brochure We'd love for you to make sure you take one home take one home to somebody who wasn't able to be here but would be interested in this Uh, not only does that provide a ton of information about the project but it also has an envelope in there uh, where we're asking you to prayerfully consider your financial commitment uh, to this uh, project over the next several weeks and then on sunday december 11th now you can turn these envelopes in anytime you want all you got to do is put them in the offering Uh, the offering boxes that are in the back. Uh, You can turn them in anytime you want. You can start giving anytime you want online. We already have a place set up for you to be able to give to the to the property fund. So that's all set up as well. Uh, but on December 11th, we want you to come back and let us know definitively what you plan to do for us uh, in the next uh, three years uh, for this project, uh, for this congregation, and for our future. And so uh, that way, we can, we can uh, do a better job of being able to plan uh, for the future. And then the second Sunday in January, we will announce the results of what what we're calling Commitment Sunday on, on uh, December 11th, all right? I would ask if there are any questions, but there's too many of you. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to introduce our time of uh, reflection and response and communion, and uh, the band is going to come up and start uh, uh, playing for us our, our last two songs. So pray with me. Our gracious God, we are thankful for where you have positioned us in this city uh, f- for everything that you did to be able to bring us to where we are to this sacred space and we're, we're, we're grateful for that and now we just ask again for your wisdom in the midst of uh, stewarding this this property and these buildings well so we'd ask that you would be active by the power of your holy spirit in revealing to us everything that we need to know God, that we would be guided only by you and not by any uh, human desires. God, we pray pray that this space would be used by you to not only influence our, our neighborhood for the gospel, but even our city. As Luke said, this gospel network that we have throughout this county. God, we want to be a part of that. We pray that you help us to be able to do that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, we're going to have our time of reflection and response. We're going to do two more songs, right? Um, We're also going to invite our communion servers to please come forward. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's with his disciples. He's with his best friends. He's with this core community that he wants to start sharing the grace and the love and the mercy of the kingdom of God. And he takes the bread and he breaks it and he said, this is my body and it's given for you. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And after they had supped on the bread, he lifted the cup, the cup of thanksgiving. And after giving thanks, he said, this is the cup of thanksgiving My blood, the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul reminds us that every time we come to this table, every time we eat the bread and and take the cup, that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. So as you come this morning, come recognizing our need for a Savior, confessing our need for a Savior, but also come celebrating the fact that we do have a Savior. And that's a beautiful thing, so let's do that now.
0: Day in history They're on a cross They made for sinners For every curse His blood atoned One final breath And it was finished But not the end We could have known so oh, the earth began to
6: shade and the veil was torn, what sacrifice was made?
7: Well, Church, it was so good and so wonderful to worship with you today. What awesome and amazing things God is doing right here on this campus. Uh, It is the first Sunday of the month, and so what that means, it is Intro Sunday. So if you are new here, and you got to hear about all the cool stuff that God is doing here, I would love to meet you in the back. Again, my name is Zach. I'd love to take you on a tour of the campus to see what God is doing right now, and prepare our hearts for what he is doing in the future. But as we go into this week, let me read this word of benediction over us as a reminder of what God is doing. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. That is the Holy Spirit. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Arcadia, we love you. Go and live all of life, all for Jesus. We'll see you next week.